War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It is Friday. We are middle of July. Boy, it's dry. It's definitely dry. Could use a little rain. This portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They are having a fantastic summer. Stop in Rhode Island's, well, full-scale nursery. Rhode Island's number one garden center. Look for them on Facebook. Annuals, perennials, trees and shrubs. Hanging pots, 10-inch, 12-inch moss baskets, hanging patients, large selection, beautiful patio pots, vegetable plants and herbs, tropical mandevillas, hibiscus plants, screen loom, mulch, and all, and all. They're open seven days a week. Look for them on Facebook. Gift certificates are available. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. And remember, they're a full-scale nursery. Everything you need to make your home a business a showstopper. Look, stop off. You can also look for them on Facebook. Well, folks, we've made it to Friday. Uh, people are still reeling over the events in, in North Providence from the other night. That was um, really, that is a situation could have gone either way. I, I, I still, and I think it's okay to question and wonder whether or not, in fact, maybe something um, could have been done a little bit sooner. I know people feel hindsight 2020, and it uh, seems like a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, but... Just the fact, um, when you have the resources, it did end well, and I'm sure they learned things as you go through them. But it is, certainly begs the question whether or not something as simple as maybe they should have cut the power a little bit earlier than they did. Again, it's tough to argue with the result. And at the end, it's just a tired police force with a lot of overtime. And I think an individual, hey, by all accounts, you know, it's you, you can't argue with the Rhode Island Red red flag law that that individual should not be allowed and have access to the type of weapons that he did and i know that there's a lot of discussions about second amendment rights but that is someone to me fits the profile like many of these school mass shooters that they simply uh should not have the availability accessibility to uh get access to these types of weapons so i want to commend there's a great mayor mayor charlie lombardi the mayor of north providence great very good police chief 
very good police chief. I like the command staff, Commander Lepre, the officers they had. That was not an easy situation. They handled it very well. And uh, in the end, again, we have a lot of video from that night. You can check it out on the website, dipetro.com. Uh, it's right there. And then don't also uh, remember dipetro.com, which is brought by the Coincident. 226 Coincid Avenue, West Work. Folks, Attorney Tim Dodd is with us right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams drug testing full laboratory services and with at med urgent care they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380. 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dipetro.com. It's Friday. It is July 15th. And folks, it is time for our legal segment. Joining us right now is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is uh, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, if you don't mind, I'd like to start off. It was a very unusual, long standoff with police, 15 hours, North Providence. Uh, those of us that were on scene started late Wednesday afternoon, and it actually ended yesterday thursday at 8 30 in the morning um the, the the what we understand police got a 911 call someone a man uh having an argument making accusations against a, a neighbor fired a shot up into the air i believe it was a high-powered rifle and then that led to um a, a police standoff of then him and the wife girlfriend what have you woman in the house coming out uh, peacefully, eight thirty yes uh, on Thursday morning. Tim Dodd, what? Let's just start off with the legal element that you know people were questioning. Why weren't the police just just like barging into the guy? But it's it's my understanding. Listening to the police was they were saying you know if he's not threatening to harm anyone, and they were talking to the woman in the house, he's not harming himself. He's not harming her. The police seemed a little reluctant to to do anything. Uh, initially at that point well it's hindsight's always perfect and we can yeah. say why did they why did the cops allow this to go on for so long um it's always a judgment call apparently this the guy that was in the house was known to the police known to town officials to be a guy with some perhaps um psychological problems if you read the comments from the mayor and from the police chief, um, the fact that he had a weapon in the home and the fact that he had previously, I guess, um, uh, 
had writings that were either sent to the police or on the internet. This guy sounds like he should have been a classic red flag uh, yeah. candidate. Uh, it seems that the cops knew all about him, his, you know, perhaps mental instability, allegedly. Um, he would have been the type of guy that um, should have been perhaps the subject of a red flag um, complaint in superior court. Now, the mayor reports that um, this event started as a drug-related event. So uh, this guy's wife calls him home. They lure one of the neighbors back. And when the neighbor comes back for allegedly a talk, suddenly um, the gentleman in the house um, um, fires a shot. I don't think at the, the neighbor, but perhaps in the air. So that's a crime. Certainly you can't fire a weapon in, you know, a, a densely packed uh, neighborhood. Um, if he didn't point his weapon and fire in the general direction of the guy that was apparently um, precipitated the shot being fired, if he had, if this homeowner had shot in the direction of this guy that came out of the property for a quote unquote talk, could have been you know assault with a deadly weapon but that mm. would be a fact issue whether or not that the facts would warrant such a charge um so he's a guy that they know about they know that he's allegedly has some psychological issues the wife is in there um she's saying no i'm going to stay in here apparently thinking she could be of more assistance in um calming him down or getting him to come out um was she an enabler? Was she an accomplice? Was she helping him to stay in there? Who knows? One of the things that apparently was uh, reported out by um, the man um, was that if the cops did come in, there was going to be a bloodbath. So mm. the question would be, was this guy trying to set up you know, what they typically call suicide by police? Right. Where you set up a situation where, you know, you provoke the cops, they come in, shots are fired, you die. And um, in many cases, it's presumed that it was a setup so that the cops would be the one shooting you versus yourself shooting you. I'm not saying that's the case here, but that if um, the guy was threatening a bloodbath, if the cops came in, would that be part of um, his thought process? It's a shame that the town runs up 17 hours of presumably overtime yeah. paying lots of cops to hang around waiting for this guy to come out while he's enjoying three uh, hot wieners and a pizza right. in, the middle of the, in the middle of all of this. Um, I think the cops were prudent. They didn't rush. Uh, they went through the appropriate steps. They brought in a negotiator, I guess a Cranston cop who's a cousin of this guy to do the talking. At some point, they turned off the electricity of the house to make things uncomfortable and keep the guy off balance. Um, luckily, it ended without any further shots being fired. None of the cops were injured. The guy and his wife weren't injured. Um, I, I am sure that uh, the police would say that we followed the appropriate protocols in one of these standoff situations. Um, 
we all citizens might say this should have happened quicker. You, you could have moved more quickly. Um, but I guess, you know, if you replayed it and they went in quicker and it resulted in gunfire and injuries or deaths, there'd be criticism for having moved too quickly against a guy who wasn't posing an imminent threat to the cops. Um, it's a tough one, but this yeah. man will be charged. Um, I'm sure there'll be a psychological evaluation to see if he's mentally competent. Um, I'm sure, you know, certainly the weapons have been uh, confiscated at this point. Um, it's a very unusual situation in small town, North Providence to have something like this happen. It sounds like excellent assistance was offered and to a degree accepted, uh, Cranston, I know Colonel Winquist and Major Patalano. Yep. Um, I know Patalano was on scene. I talked both, to him. He was definitely there. Yep. Both Winquist and Patalano are really first class, excellent cops. Um, I'm sure that although North Providence could have handled it on their own, I'm sure they were happy to have the assistance, you know, from the, the, the top brass in Cranston. Um, luckily, it all ended. Um, without bloodshed. I guess that's the, the goal in these situations. And to the extent that's the goal, then I guess they accomplished their goal in getting a peaceful surrender without shots being fired. Tim Dodd, what about someone that says, Hey, listen, they, that guy's in his own home and uh, he's on his property and they have no right to go in there. That what kicked it off was the firing the weapon in the air. He doesn't, he doesn't have the right to, to do that. Well, that's a crime for which they yeah. the cops would have the right to knock on the door and say you're under arrest because right. there's these allegations and we have a witness statement. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but when it's clear the guy's not coming out and we don't know all the conversations, we don't know if the wife was telling the cops, you know, he's barricaded himself in or if he's threatening to do violence to himself or others. You know, we don't know fully yet everything that happened. You may know yeah. more because you were on scene for hours and hours and hours uh, <laughs> doing your job. It's, yeah. I'm sure that was a long night. It was. But um, <clears throat> if they had stormed the place, if they had knocked in yeah. the front door, I think it would have been a very um, different and much more tragic outcome. So, yeah. and, and having the, the woman inside, that also throws it off. Right, you know, and she wouldn't come out. She wouldn't yeah. come out. I'm saying that's you have a guy in there alone, threatening police, blah blah blah. That's one thing. But then when you have it was, she was there. They put her on the phone. She said she was there. She wanted to be there, but it it almost come off like a hostage. Did they did they want to deal the next day? The the two of them are then you know dead in the hole. Maybe if they storm, he shoots her. What have you, folks? Again, we'll speak with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. time means grill time and for the best grill get a new grill stop in and see my friends jay's broadway appliance and tv j apostrophe s broadway appliance and tv located 47 cedar swamp road that's route 5 smithfield you can call them 401-949-7800 springtime summer this is the best time to grill outside they have a great selection on grills they also have a great selection on all appliances family-run business since 1963 remember you're going to deal directly with the owner and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances do you need a new refrigerator how about a new dishwasher washing machine dryer oven 
microwave, Jay's Broadway Appliance. Look for them online at jsappliance.com. Also on Facebook, springtime, summer is grill time. Stop in and see them. They're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 5. You can make an appointment for more personal Saturday and Sunday appointments. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV, 401-949-7800. Better yet, drive in and see them, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 in Smithfield. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story... um, the former special assistant attorney general, Ed Mullaney. So he gets jammed up in a, a DUI. I think it's, you know, reflective of the office immediately after this happened. And I think even at the stop, he knew that he, with attorney general Peter Naroda, was not going to tolerate having someone on staff that gets involved in something like this. But people were wondering where suddenly the DUI charge got tossed. It's a, it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, yeah. I, I guess if you work for the AG um, and there's a policy in place that you are aware zero of tolerance. or you know, yeah. zero tolerance, well, th- that's fine. But if this makes me uncomfortable in light of the fact that we anyone charged with a crime has um, the presumption of innocence, as we all know. Now, was this a defendable case? I mean, I've had DUIs that look like a stone loser, but, you know, when you look at all the information, mistakes are made by the police. Um, They forget certain elements that they must uh, perfect to prove uh, the crime that's been charged. And um, the person who is accused gets out of it, if you will, either be by being found not guilty or the charges being dismissed because of technical mistakes that the cops have made. So this looked like a tough case. The guy was riding around on just the rim of um, his tire because the tire had been blown in some form or fashion um, earlier and he's riding on his rim and sparks are coming out um, and Barrington pulls him over and they do the field sobriety tests and they make their observations and he's charged. Now, maybe after he goes through the whole process and it's a two-sided process because the DUI is criminal. It's an observation case and refusing to submit to a chemical test is a civil violation, which puts you um, in the traffic tribunal. Um, Many times cases are resolved with, um, a dismissal of the criminal case and working out something on the refusal, which does not result in you having a criminal conviction. So query, if this guy went forward, got his DUI tossed, took a deal on the um, refusal in some form, that's not a criminal conviction. And if there's a policy that any alcohol-related incident, even if it's a breathalyzer refusal, is a termination offense, well, so be it. But if this goes against the grain to think that someone who's been charged but not convicted and not even fully prosecuted uh, is immediately terminated, um, I guess that's Nerona's policy, and I understand the logic behind it, and um, certainly no one should be driving while intoxicated. But... Um, this this um, assistant AG made a um, a terrible mistake, and you know certainly 
paying the consequences. I think he was making about $90,000 a year. He's going to have a certain taint that will follow him because of this. Um, can he recover and he can, can he continue on his, his um, legal career? Of course he can, but it's, um, it's a policy decision. I guess if you go to work for the AG, you know that that's the deal. If you get yeah. jammed up with a refusal or a DUI charge, you're going to be fired. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, um, finally, the two men that were cited, well, not finally, but uh, the, the, we had talked about it. The two men that were cited for posting the white national nationalist flyers from East Providence, they did appear in court. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of how they're uh, court hearing went well the, the charges are um, that they violated uh, an ordinance which did not allow unauthorized um, signs posters whatever to be affixed to um, telephone poles or trees like you see people doing yard sales you see right. people advertising for trash removal you know all kinds of things you see done in this manner um this was certainly targeted because of the nature of what these guys 100%. were yes. putting up there and they were charged with i believe obstruction and the obstruction was that they wouldn't tell the cops their names yes now, which tim dodd i i've been at protests and so forth and i've i've witnessed not even a protest just incidents and things that were raining around the state house where the individuals r refuse to give their name to Capitol Police. State Police and then they're not charged. No. So uh, this all seems to have to do with the content that they were putting up. Yes. And I'm in no way defending that content. No, no, and no. I, and I know you are not, but no. the, this whole um, wave of selective prosecutions, yeah. as we've talked about before, you know, taking a guy like Peter Navarro, who's in his seventies and taking him out of an airport in handcuffs and leg shackles. Unreal. Um, because I mean, that's, that's not. We have him as a guest on Tuesday, by the way, folks coming up next Tuesday, Peter Navarro will have him on, but go ahead. Tim. I'll have to tune in for that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Or like what they did um, with um, <clears throat> Paul Manafort. Manafort <laughs> and what they did with um, that guy stone. Yeah. I mean, and they make a splash and the media covers it. Yeah. And it's a message, I think, to society saying, you know, don't be on the wrong side of, of this administration or this um, paradigm of political thought, or you're going to be made an example of the same thing with the January 6th people, whether what they did was appropriate, criminal, or, or whatever they are receiving disparate treatment by the uh, criminal justice system being held without bail. I mean, there's people walking around on bail for far more serious offenses. Right. Um, it's a very uncomfortable thing. And wherever you stand politically, your listeners, this should be disturbing to anyone because maybe right now you like the fact that people are being treated harshly by the criminal justice system. But one day the shoe will be on the other foot. Yep. And it's just not a good sign for the, no. our whole society and the criminal justice system. One other note about these two guys, they're white nationalists. They've got white nationalist tattoos. Um, they're going, putting up this material. Um, 
when they're arraigned, uh, the judge who arraigned them was a judge of color, an excellent, excellent judge. Uh, but I think the irony would not be lost on folks sitting in the courtroom. Uh, mm -hmm. She treated them with respect. Um, she did not do anything to unduly um, punish them, if you will, set high bail or anything like that. Um, her demeanor, her um, conduct was entirely appropriate. Um, and I'm sure she did more to treat these guys with respect than they would ever have done if they saw her out and about. Yeah. Um, so the irony is not lost. Folks who speak with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, Providence, well, former Providence police officer. Well, no, he still is a Providence police officer. John Lugo appeared in court. Um, he, he made his plea, and then also now he's requesting a, a labor hearing. Uh, what are your findings on that? Well, he, he clearly should ask for the labor yeah. hearing. Um, that's an appropriate thing for any officer so charged to do. But as, having looked at the video a number of times, the entire video, um, is it a tough case? Sure. But is it a defendable case? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this guy has a reasonable opportunity to put on a case. Um, he would likely testify at a trial to um, describe what was occurring to him, that he was assaulted from behind that he turned in an effort to fend off his attacker and so that he could then render assistance to someone he saw being um, physically abused in close proximity to him. Um, you know, the snippet that went viral showing him um, making contact with who happened to turn out to be his political opponent, um, it went viral the entire video which shows the entire sequence of events yeah i don't know but i'm i'm guessing it didn't go nearly as viral and no it did not no and you know the first video the little snippet was the one that allowed his political his political opponent to raise a, i would think a ton of money yeah. and to completely mischaracterize the yep. entire situation um could he be go to trial and be found guilty? Yes. Could he be acquitted? Definitely. It's not a yeah. slam dunk case for the prosecution. That's for sure. No. Tim Dodd also, uh, before we take a break, uh, different people. And again, I, want, I don't want people to misread, but there's no justification or anything. Uh, he, he'll have his day in court. He seems to have an argument and a defense. But they were remarking that, that I've heard more than one person say, well, he couldn't have struck his former political opponent that hard because she didn't fall down. It wasn't like a, you know, a one punch knockout. She, she definitely, you know, was affected by it, but it, it may have looked worse than, than what actually took place. And, and he may go into an argument that it was more of a slap than a punch, even though that five second, three second snippet that took off and went viral slow motion edited out certainly it seemed to look a lot worse than maybe what it really was. Well, it's, it's almost a distinction without a difference because whether yeah. he, whether he slapped her, punched her or right. whatever degree of contact yep. you want to ascribe to it, it's still an assault. Yes. It's either, it's either self-defense or it's an assault. Yeah. And I just find it um, remarkable 
that it seems like he was first assaulted by her. Yeah. She has not been charged. Mm. So step one, she assaults him. Step two, he turns around and hits her. Now, either that's an assault that he has committed against her or it's self-defense trying to fend off someone who's holding him from behind. So which is it? But in either event, whether he assaulted her separately from her assault on him or whether he's got a self-defense argument, why hasn't she been charged? Yeah, good, good point. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DiPietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story is interesting. The ACLU was involved, this uh, cleaning service worker that is making claims that she was basically terminated because of her, because of a pregnancy. Well, yeah, she's going to win. <laughs> this, is, this is an easy one. Uh, you can't, an employer can't really ask um, a person if uh, they are pregnant and on the basis of the person being pregnant, um, choose not to hire that person or to terminate that person's employment. Um, it's, it's a civil rights violation. So she is going to win. She's going to get back pay. She's going to get front pay. Um, she's going to have her attorney's fees paid. And um, this employer who asked these questions and took this action um, will lose. They will pay. They should settle. It's a, it's, it's a slam dunk winner for her. How does something like this even, uh, in this day and age, Tim Dodd, how does something like this even get into play? Well, I, I think it more happens with uh, small companies, local companies, closely held businesses. I think national companies um, are more hip to the idea that you can't ask these types of questions of um, prospective employees or actual employees. Whereas small businesses who you know aren't necessarily hip to what the rules of the game are or think they can just do this, or maybe because they think that these prospective employees won't do anything about it, don't have the means, don't have the interest, um, don't have the um, fortitude to challenge the employer. But this business ran into somebody who is certainly looking to stand up and say, you know, this is wrong and I'm not going to tolerate this type of conduct that shouldn't happen to me or anybody else. Um, 
you know, national companies have, you know, training seminars on how to avoid these very situations where smaller companies, I, I don't necessarily think would be as well educated in right. the things you can't do today that you could have done 50 years ago. Folks, so it's with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, this, um, this other story where um, this worker, we, we learned about that she was carrying on. She had pictures with Senator Reid and Congressman Cicilline, and she's uh, you know, a veteran. She was wounded and so forth. She, she's now going to plead guilty in the case. And it, it, it's incredible in some way, Tim Dodd, how maybe someone starts off and they have maybe they consider like a little bit of an exaggeration, embellishment. And then, you know, it, it just grows and gets worse and worse. And and we're talking about faking military records that the penalties are real. Yeah, she she well, she's a con artist. I mean, yeah. who knows how it started, as you say, but. She was claiming that she had been wounded in battle, that she had a Purple Heart, that she had all these military awards, um, you know, so that she was a leader at the VFW Post. Um, She was also raising money on a claim that she had a cancer diagnosis, which was related to um, chemicals that she was exposed to while in the military, the truth of the matter is she was never in the military. Yeah. None of these things ever happened to her. She didn't have a battle or military related cancer diagnosis. She raised a lot of money off of that. She got a lot of sympathy from other veterans. Um, she used her position as a um, heroic meddled veteran to um Elicit sympathy and to get money. She got, I believe, over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in contributions to help her with her "quote unquote" medical condition. Now the House of Cards comes tumbling down. It's learned that all of this was phony. It was all a fraud. Um, She gets charged um, with the the various fraud components, obtaining money under false pretenses, fraud. Um, and there's certain charges that are, are associated with uh, lying about military service. With the charges that she had in federal court, I believe she was looking at a maximum of, you know, the maximum is never really what people are going to get. But she was looking at either a maximum of 24 or 25 years potential prison time mm. in exchange for her um, agreement to plead guilty. Uh, the federal prosecutors are recommending that she be sentenced on the low end of the spectrum. Now, one of the charges that she's got carries, I believe, a mandatory um, two-year prison sentence that the judge can't do anything about. So she's starting off with two years of prison time. And then for the other charges, she could wind up with more time added on to it. So she'll probably do not less than two, maybe up to five years uh, for this really outrageous conduct. I mean, what she was alleging and how she was getting people to give her money is just despicable. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, this is a wild story out of New York City where you have uh, one of these, they they call it a bodega. People might around here be more like a, it's basically 24-7 convenience store. But someone is coming around the corner. They they start to tussle. The guy was clearly being attacked. 
he then stabs the guy that was coming after him. We're all had to do with this woman wanted to pay for a bag of potato chips. I, I think she didn't have enough on her EBT card, but it's a huge store in New York that this bodega worker was then was then charged. It, it's another very. Um... I understand that the guy could get charged, but it appeared from what I've seen and heard, because the video captures audio as well, that he's got a reasonable um, belief that he was defending himself. And he's got a, I think, a fairly potent self-defense argument. You're right. He's an older guy. He's, I believe, 61. He works in what's essentially a convenience store. Um, He's got white hair. He's got a white beard. I mean, he looks like an older man. A woman comes in, a woman of color, not that that should make a difference, but facts are facts, and with her kid, and she's got an EBT card, and it's not working, and she can't get her kid a bag of potato chips. So you hear the, you hear the audio, and she is saying, um, I'm coming back here with my N. I'm not going to say the word. Right. And he's going to F you up. And she says it over and over again. My end's going to come back here. He's going to F you up. You just wait and see. He's going to F you up. She leaves. She comes and within a few minutes, her, I guess, boyfriend comes storming in. He immediately goes behind the counter where this guy is working and starts, you know, F bombing him. And what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. So he comes in in a very aggressive, provocative manner. Um, the worker has already been told that this guy is going to come back and F him up, if you will. And he's expecting that this guy's coming around in a very aggressive manner, comes behind the counter. This guy has a reasonable belief that, uh-oh, this guy's here to F me up. So the man that comes in assaults the guy, moves him around behind the counter, and as he's being pushed and moved around by this aggressor, the worker gets a knife from behind the counter, if you will, and stabs him. The stab happens to be successful. He stabs him, I think, in the chest and in the neck. And unfortunately, the man bleeds out. He dies. While this tussle is going on and while this worker is using his knife to ostensibly, I guess, defend himself, the woman who started the whole thing because her EBT card didn't work, she pulls a knife out of her bag and stabs the worker from behind. She doesn't get charged. He gets charged with uh, second-degree murder. Uh, he's out on bail. Um, you're right, it is a firestorm in New York City because if you look at the video and the whole sequence of events, it appears that this man had a reasonable belief that he was in trouble and his physical safety was at risk. Now, the guy that ultimately was stabbed to death, I don't believe was armed, or at least he didn't show a weapon. So the question will be, was the um, force used by this guy in defending himself by using a knife um, appropriate and, appor and apportionate to the um, uh, threat that he was under? You know, it's a difficult situation. It's an unfortunate sequence of events that led to a man's death over essentially a bag of potato chips. But I think he's got a potent self-defense argument to be made, John. 
Definitely. It's not a yeah. clear-cut case. No. And there's a big out- outrage uh, in New York City. I think they changed the bail provision. But, I mean, that if anything, that is certainly, Tim Dodd, looks like a self-defense case. Folks, a uh, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Rhode Island attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, I, I just, I don't understand. Rhode Island paid out more than $98 million fraudulent unemployment claims during the first 16 months of the pandemic. And then the state's top auditor suspects the overall total could be another $550 million in fake claims. But Tim Dodd, the, the question is, you know, we've only heard of just, I think there were a couple in the beginning the the it seemingly lack of enforcement it, I, I how can they be at that number of claims and it it doesn't seem like they it doesn't seem i should say like they're aggressively going after anyone no it doesn't i mean certainly they made a big splash the feds did um with um individuals and businesses which were fraudulently obtaining the ppp money early on in the uh, you know, during the the pandemic but if there's, let's call it something between a hundred million and five hundred million, and fraudulently obtain unemployment money, I mean, how tricky is it to do an audit and determine who's legitimate and who's um, fraudulent in making such claims? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, most most departments of state don't have cutting edge technology at their disposal. Usually they're using computer systems, which are older. Um, I don't know how old the systems are over at uh, the Department of Employment and Training, but it seems like they should be able, able to identify people who are making fraudulent claims and prosecute them. Because if they don't, you know, they made examples of people getting the PPP money and charged them and the, some of them are going to jail. If they don't do something similar on the unemployment side, well, people are going to look at it and say, it's a green light. I'm never going to get caught. They're never going to get prosecuted. So uh, something it would have appear has to be done if they know there was this magnitude of fraud. Um, you would presume they can figure out who are the fraudulent players and do something about it. And if they don't, um, it's just another sign that, well, you can, you know, assault cops, you can burn police cars, you right. can steal money from the state and nothing's going to happen. But Tim Dodd, what about this final story of, uh, you don't see it that often, but a correctional officer, uh, they, they're basically saying that, and I, I think it's actually highly unusual that you have a Rhode Island correctional officer indicted in an inmate's death. That's Seemingly, I, I don't remember the last time something like that happened. No, it's very rare. Um, certainly, the question will be the the use of force in the circumstances of the inmate's death, and you know the role that the um, um, prison guard had. Um, 
all remains to be seen. But if a prison guard's conduct leads to the death of an inmate, and it's not mere negligence, but an intentional act, then that prison guard um, should be prosecuted if the facts warrant it. Now, we haven't really seen a ton on this one. I mean, typically there'd be video of what's going on in the prison. There'd be witness statements as to who saw this happen, whether those witnesses are other guards or inmates. Um, It seems to me there's a lot more to the story that we haven't fully learned of yet, but there's got to be video showing exactly what happened here. Um, I'm just not familiar with that being in the public realm at this point, but I'm sure it will come out eventually. Because, Tim Dodd, isn't it normally there's some provision if something goes wrong during the course that you're doing your job that you're somehow, you know, immune from that? And it just comes to mind as the, for instance, the the fire marshal in West Warwick, you know, seemingly missed certain things with the station nightclub fire. As a result of that, his capacity as building inspector or fire marshal, they... He wasn't criminally charged. Maybe it was negligence in his job, but there, there's some kind of provision that that allows that if 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 it's seen as like a mistake in a, in a certain instance, that someone would not be held uh, criminally in some way. Well, that that's that's exactly right, John. Um, to use the station fire case, I think the uh, building official there could have or actually should have been prosecuted um, based upon what occurred there. It didn't. That's always been a question mark. It'll always be a question mark why that didn't happen. Um, But with this prison guard, you know, if the death of the inmate was through some negligent act of the prison guard, then one would presume he would be acquitted or get out of this thing with, you know, a nominal reduced charge. Um, I'm not fully aware of what the alleged conduct was on behalf of this um, prison guard that led to or contributed to the death of the inmate. I I think there's a lot more that we have to learn about what he's alleged to have done. And Tip Dab, finally, uh, before we let you go, there's a lot of noise about, again, continuing with these January 6th hearings. But um, and as we've talked about in the past, we just want to remind people these are this is not a courtroom. It's not a trial. There's no one being cross-examined. A, a lot of these claims, it may sound sensational, and now they keep going to, you know, December 19th, President Trump put big protests, going to be wild. I, I, I still, despite all of this, I still don't see any threading of the needle of, of that the, all these accusations that they're, that they're trying to make. Well, no, and I... You know, lawyers can say this is a ridiculous political exercise because there is no cross-examination. There are no members of the committee um, who would be acting not as really like defense counsel, but putting forth the uh, an alternate narrative of what happened. Um, A lot of the witnesses are testifying behind closed doors. this committee is sitting on a lot of these transcripts. They, they will re- release certain transcripts if it's favorable testimony that's given. And they don't release other transcripts, which presumably don't have things in there that are favorable to the narrative that they're putting forth. It's like a trial where the defendant can't have an attorney 
can't ask questions, yep. um, is basically muzzled. Um, now, certainly this committee, they don't care about such things. They're looking for press headlines that will be dutifully run by the mainstream media um, to sensationalize every aspect of what they're allegedly investigating. You know, take the woman who claim, who testified, she's noble, what a, what a brave soul. I, I don't remember her name, but she's the one who testified that the Secret Service said that... Cass- Cassidy Hutchinson. Thank yeah. you. That he was grabbing at the steering wheel, yeah. and acting like a crazy man. Yeah. And when you really parse down what happened there, she heard from a guy who heard from a guy that right. something happened. It's all hearsay. None of it would ever be allowed in a courtroom. Um, so you get people saying sensational things, not being cross-examined. There's no one questioning her credibility. There's no one taking her through her testimony and questioning the source, what she heard, who she heard it from. Is it reliable? It's just a provocative, sensational headline that the media runs with. So I think most lawyers would look at this and say this is a preposterous show trial, something like you'd see in the Soviet Union, but not a real investigation intended to find the entire truth. Certain people can't be asked questions, like Nancy Pelosi. Certain people can't be called to testify, like the chief of the Metro Police Department or the chief of the um, Capitol Police Department. Why is that? Why do some people get... um, called in and some people can't be asked questions. There's video that the capital video of exactly what went on that this committee could ask for. They're not asking for it. And to the extent they have asked for it, my understanding is the speaker's office said you can't have it. And they say, Oh, okay, we can't have it. Well, we'll do something else. It's, 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 did bad things happen? Yes. Were bad decisions made? Yes. Was the whole notion that you could, you know, get uh, Mike Pence to overturn the election? Was that wrongheaded? Yes. Were the results unfortunate? Yes. But in terms of this is all intended to see if there's a prosecutable charge that can be brought against Donald Trump. I don't see that that is the result of this. Now, anyone can be charged for anything, but... um, I don't think this is anything that could be successfully prosecuted if they chose to bring charges after this investigation. And I don't know if a U.S. attorney's office would um, have the lack of pride that they would actually charge based on what we've all read and seen and heard so far anyways. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent as always, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website to remember weekdays 
11 to 2. But visit the website dipetro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, they'll license arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com.